You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Hello, beautiful listeners and viewers. We have an expert amongst us today. I'm so excited to introduce you to Carolyn Coleridge. She's a psychotherapist, intuitive healer, intuitive and healer for the last 25 years. She has her master's in clinical social work from Columbia University, and she has worked in lots of different settings. She's been trained in psychoanalytical psychotherapy as well. She has a background with the Edgar Cayce Institute in New York City and other spiritual churches, in particular, the Science of Mind Church, which many of you will be familiar with. She worked at UCLA as an energy healer for the UCLA Pediatric Pain Program for six years, which I am so excited to learn more about. And basically what she specializes in is helping you work with your mind, body, and soul, which all of us here are all about. So this is a great home for you to be. And welcome to the podcast, Carolyn. Oh, thank you for having me, Victoria. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's my (laughs) pleasure. Before we began recording, we were just getting to know each other a little bit. And I love that we have a joint Hay House connection and that you incorporate a lot of science of mind and Louise Hay work into what it is that you do and that you teach and in your practice as well. And I have to say, I've been scoping out your website too. And I see that you've been doing some guest speaking and uh, keynote speaking and workshops and book signings. And so before we start talking, I want to give all of the viewers and listeners a place they can go peek at your work, which is your website, intuitivesoulhealing.com. So that's intuitivesoulhealing.com, where they can find your books, How to Work with the Universe, which is a workbook, love workbooks, soul wisdom, and honor your spirit. So if you are watching and listening, make a note of that, intuitivesoulhealing.com. Okay. I feel like I went on for a long time there, but I wanted to get all that information in because there are so many really great gems that you and I can share today. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about how you started down this path of helping others to really connect with themselves. Yeah. So I started studying at Columbia when I was around 27, 28. And that's your Saturn return. People can look that up. That's when the soul Saturn, the planet of uh, life lessons comes back into your chart and says, what are you here for as a soul to do? It's like when it's like we have seven year cycles and when the clock strikes 12, meaning like there's age seven, kids are a little bit more aware. Age 14 is high school. Age 21 is adulthood. And then when it strikes 12, 28, a lot of people start soul seeking. They may not know it, but I was there studying and I started to see ghosts out of the blue. I've never seen ghosts before. I would wake up and see them. They were right by my bed. They were chatting with me. They were talking. They were asking me questions. And I was just so shocked. And my mother's a chemistry teacher. And she also has mediumship experiences her whole life and never doubted the science and the spiritual. So when I called her, I said, my God, mom, I'm seeing ghosts. She's like, oh, really? That's great. You know, how are your grades? So she, instead of making it crazy, she totally normalized it. And she's just like, that's just part and parcel of life. That means, you know, you're opening up. And then she went to my grandmother, her mother, and she said, oh, she's like us. I'm like, really? She goes, oh, she's starting to see ghosts. She's like, oh, how are her grades? They just both were like, this is normal. So I started 
started to seek help because they were like bothering me and they weren't mean and not the poltergeist stereotype. They were actually like lost. And I went to a psychic, I went to a healer, and then I went to Edgar Casey Institute and learned how to protect my energy, learned what was going on. Now, imagine I'm getting a master's in social work at the most conservative, oldest university, Columbia. And here I am, I'm seeing and hearing things. I didn't want them to kick me out of the school. So I had to close <laughs> it down. You know, why are you late for class? Oh, I was talking to someone who died like 50 years ago. And it wasn't easy because when I woke up, they were just sitting there like looking at me and it was just so normalized in their world. So then when I started training, I said, wow, this is stuff is really interesting being a psychic and a healer, but I didn't want to do it professionally because I was really just in the beginning stages of being a therapist. And honestly, I was reading maybe a year ago, I started reading You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And I was like, I pulled out that book as all my other metaphysical books. I was in DC when I somebody told me about it. She said, if you have to be, if you, I used to work on the Hill, actually. So for a year and before when I just, and I had an experience where somebody came to me and taught me. And I went to a spiritual bookstore. And this is where this woman said, if you want to be spiritual, you need to read this book. You can heal your life. So I pulled out the book and it said, ask the universe. So I'd ask the universe, why is this happening now? And why am I seeing all these people? And this Asian man floated in. I woke up and I saw him sitting there looking at me and I'm like, this is crazy. So I asked the universe, I went out on Fifth Avenue and what happened is I ended up, this man gave me a Buddha. Like I was just walking down the street. I said, universe, what's happening? And this man just gave me a Buddha in New York City, which doesn't happen. It's like an alabaster Buddha. I still have it here. And he's like, this is a gift for you. And I was, he's like, it's damaged, but it's still great. And then I was walking, looking at this Buddha. I was like, wow, maybe this is a message, Asian Buddha. So I was walking down the street and then there was this, um, I ended up in a Buddhist parade, a Korean Buddhist parade. I was, I was so busy looking, but I didn't know and the street was cut off. And I was walking with all these Asian people and they're like, oh, hi. You know, they started laughing and I got off the street and got out of their parade. Then I went to a, a phone, it was so many years ago, and I went to a pay phone and called my machine. I went to tell my friend and my, my friend said, hey, I'm having a class on um, Amaratsu, the Asian, Asian goddess of wisdom and healing. And I was like, wow, that's three. I asked the universe and I got a message, just like Louise Hayes said. And then I realized, wow, it was a gift. It was a movement on my path in the parade. And it was an invitation to join a class. It was a woman's circle, a goddess circle. And that's what really opened me up to spirituality and to this kind of work to do both spirituality. And I would always hide it, working with the universe and spiritual and readings. And then, then also um, being in New York, I would get drained. So I ended up my teacher at the time, and sorry, my boss at the time, she was a teacher. We worked, I worked on Wall Street at an EAP firm and she's like, oh, you changed the energy in this room. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know about energy. And she was a psychologist. She goes, energy healing. And, and I was like, so I went and found Reiki and I started to do Reiki and I was able to clear my energy better so I wasn't as drained working with people and being so open as a spirit. So that was my opening to how I got into both. So mind was therapy body was Reiki healing and spirit was the intuitive work. I love how when you describe it, it just makes it all make so much sense. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how one wouldn't necessarily think of those two things being intertwined, being a therapist and then practicing with the uh, mediumship, the intuitiveness, the healing aspect of it from that perspective. And I applaud you for intermingling those because I think that so often so many of us who have gifts Whatever box we're in, you know, whether it's a corporate box or maybe we think I only work in sales, I can't cross this over or I, you know, work at home raising my children. How can I speak out about this? What you have just shown us by example is that it's okay to be all parts of ourselves. 
Yes. And that we don't have to be one specific way and in, in lead one life in one uh, aspect and lead another life in, an, in another aspect. When you were doing that, when you were keeping them separate, how was your self-talk? How did that feel? Oh, okay. It was kind of hard. I was really hiding it, but I was so absorbed with the spiritual stuff. I would go to this new age bookstore on 14th Street and just absorb all the books. And it was so interesting to me because I grew up in a family that was very spiritual. My father's a minister actually. And a social worker, but he's actually he was ended up being the Episcopal Bishop of Connecticut. And then my mother is a chemistry teacher. But my self-talk was don't let it come out. I don't want anyone to know. And my mother even kind of said, you don't want to be known maybe as a psychic, but more as an intuitive because the world and the bias. And also a client, when they come to you as a therapy client, they're not coming to be read. So, and we have laws and legislation, ethics, we have to sign up when you're a therapist. So I really had to watch the boundaries of that and like not cross the line, but it did, it is melding now, but it it took a lot of uh, connection with spirit with, uh, like, I was like, why is that happening? I'll go back to Louise Hay. As the beginning of her book, she says, we pick our parents. So when I thought about my dad being a therapist and a spiritual minister, my mother being a science teacher, she was like um, the first Black woman to head a science department in Connecticut. And she taught chemistry. And then also a teacher, I said, oh, I, I'm grabbing all the different parts. I really respected what Louise Hay said and understood it, that it was there to help me So I wasn't, I would stray. So it was like, it kind of set me up to be like safeguarding, but I really had to kind of say, well, I would ask God and I call God the universe because it was easier when I was teaching. I said, you know, should I be doing this? Should I be pulling out crystals? Should I be smudging myself? And once I did that, I'd have a therapy client that said, I'm so glad that you have that crystal on your desk because I feel like I I've loved crystals and I've had a dream about my grandmother or I have this experience. So I really, it was helping people heal on a soul level, which was more permanent than on the personality level, which therapy traditionally does. That is so true. You know, it's like if we want these changes to last, it does have to be on the inside. And I love that you just opened that door for people. And the reason I asked that question is I remember a time in my 20s and 30s where I was one way with one group of people and you know which was my professional corporate self always positive keeping things in line and then on the other side I was this crazy party animal party girl who just you know could swear like a truck driver and this that and the other and I always felt if my people my colleagues if my clients knew who I really was then they wouldn't relate to me or respect me or so on. And I just always felt like I was living those two selves. And I'm sharing this because I think people can relate to this. When we are living two selves and not being our authentic one self, my Mm. experience was that my self-talk was always degrading. I always Mm. felt like an imposter and really just felt that whole not enough, not good enough because Mm. you know I have all these perceived... Uh, faults and flaws and things I'm hiding and so on. And, you know, maybe it's maturity and growth and everything together. But I found that as we really claim who we are, we become unstoppable. A hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's wonderful you're so open about that because it was the same for me uh, because it would really discredit me if people were like, oh, you're a psychic, like the 1-800 line and you're a licensed therapist and patients could complain, they could file complaints. In 25 years, I really haven't had anything like that. Even one time when I had to do something called a tear off, I had to report somebody who wanted to hurt somebody. 
And I, they had a court case. I was the only, I only had like maybe two subpoenas in 25 years. It was amazing. So, and the judge in the case, the other party, it was at the post office, ironically. He said, he said um, well, she does weird stuff on the outside. And the judge said, that's not applicable. That's not what she's doing nine to five at this major HMO. So it doesn't, so I was like, whoo, you know? But <laughs> yeah, so I was, because I then I learned more and more. Like I met Judith Orloff. She's the one that got me on CNN. She's a psychiatrist who, and she's the one that got me into doing Hay House mailings because I was doing mailings for her for, because she's a psychiatrist who created the word intuitive empath and and really has a lot of strong scientific background supporting that intuition is that people are wired and empaths are wired differently. So I kind of hid behind that for years, you know, and using her material and information to really, you know, justify what I was doing. And then the word psyche means of the soul. Psyche, I'm sorry, means of the mind and psychic means of the soul. So, and then I didn't realize 25 years that we'd be going through getting into the Aquarian age where souls are more interesting in soul growth. We went through the uh, Corona. Corona means crown. The crown chakra opened. Every Everything, as I trusted God in the universe and asked every step of the way, everything started to open up and support me. Even when I was on CNN with Judith Orloff uh, doing, talking about Reiki healing through UCLA, I was so nervous. I worked for this major HMO that people would see me and they called it psychic touch. I was like, oh no. But the universe protected me because they said, oh, we're just going to air it internationally. So only people in Europe and India and Asia saw it. Nobody here did, but I was able to upload it. So trusting in what's in your heart and working with universal wisdom, the universe will protect you mm-hmm. unless it's a teaching moment for other people. I 100% you know, agree with that. And I think that's a real uh, piece of gold that you just shared there, really trusting in that universe. And another pattern that I've noticed in your life is just being open. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're, you've been very open and trusting uh, when things came your way. I wanted yeah. to uh, just ask you a couple of questions for people who are listening and they're saying, oh, I totally relate to what you're saying. And I want them to be able to find a way to really see and identify themselves to be able to have a way to own their gifts. So mm-hmm. first of all, I wanted to ask you, how would someone know that they're an empath? Ah, okay. Empaths are usually sensitive souls. So you're very, you feel on a deep level. Like if somebody's in pain, you may feel pain. You may get overwhelmed by crowds, like drained, which I did. That's why I started doing energy healing, taking the D train to Brooklyn. I was like exhausted. You may want to spend time in nature and you feel reinvigorated. You may, you know, like essential oils that really help you. You may be very sensitive to animals or society or humanity and how people are treated. Animals help soothe you. You may feel that that you pick up stuff about people without really knowing them. You pick up their vibe. Your aura is very sensitive. So aura has little antennas on the end, but actually goes out and asks people questions and comes back and then you feel it. It's very quick. And if you're sensitive to other people's vibes and then you're right about it all the time, you're probably an empath. You're probably, and you care about people. Mm -hmm. And usually you want to help people at some level. So something that I've noticed with people who are empaths is that, like you said, you can pick up other people's vibes. And so, of course, we have to be careful with that energy as well to protect ourselves. But I want to just ask, so where is that line, do you think, between being an empath, picking up on other people's vibes, being intuitive and sensing what's going on and being psychic? Mm, How would someone maybe classify? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, differentiate. 
so usually empaths are usually the beginning stage. Like in the 1970s, a lot more empaths come and that you're very sensitive and you're very, very, very sensitive to vibes, et cetera. When you're intuitive, you can be an intuitive as doctor, you can be an intuitive um, teacher. That means you just kind of have like a, a century, but you're not sure if you're right or wrong until somebody like proves it to you. Psychic and intuitive are similar, but a psychic can be a medium which speaks to people on the other side. There's psychics that are good with um, medical psychic. They call them medical intuitives. Like psychic is a big category. Uh, it's using the soul essence of yourself to communicate and understand things um, outside of the five century um, awareness. And it's after a while, when you start, if you start training, if you're an empath, you can know that you're intuitive. So you need training over time. Some people are naturally that way, but usually training helps you learn. Like with me, I was a natural empath and intuitive, but I need training to learn how to ground myself, to protect myself from seeing, I was so wide open, seeing uh, ghosts all the time. I need to, you know, learn how to clear my energy. It's a real like, like training so that, that's why I went to the Edgar Casey Institute. So you know, like, is this real? And then you practice with other people and they're like, oh my God, that's totally me or that information's right. And then over time, then you start getting tested and different things and you become a psychic if you want to be. But I was doing it more to be a healer and then to get rid of the ghost. And then when I was working with Paige, the minute I sat down with people, sometimes I would see their auras or sometimes I would hear a message. And I was like, this is not normal what therapies do. <laughs> so that's when also at the same time I started to train so I could close it down. And it's like toggling between the, you know, like the fifth dimension and the third dimension between the spiritual world and the physical world, between the spirit and the ego. You learn to toggle that and that, you know, what's appropriate. Like if I'm going in the ER, I'm not going to tune into them because I'll get too drained and everything, but that's not what they come there for. If I'm in a spiritual reading, I will tune in. It'll be very different. So you have to understand and get a little bit training on it. So people can contact you directly as a client through your email. And I'm going to put your email in the link, but I wanted to ask you what services is it that you are offering to your clients? What are you doing with the clients? Is it something to do with this training? Or is it more uh, online therapy? What would you like to see? What Who's your ideal client? And what would you like to see? Oh, the people opening up spiritually that don't know if this is normalized and people that have intuitive gifts, people who want to grow spiritually. I'm very much in helping people grow because I've grown myself and I help other people grow. I do intuitive development classes, dream interpretation. I do soul retrievals where people have trauma. A lot of times people up to their spiritual gifts through trauma, physical abuse, sexual abuse, car accidents, surgeries. They'll jump out of their body, different things that make their spirit and their body separate. And then their gifts open up. They don't know what to do with it. They think they're losing it. So I'm really good at working with people in that. I'm pretty packed up in the therapy. I'm moving more into the spiritual. I opened up this healing center in, in Connecticut, Conscious Creations, so people can consciously create their lives spiritually. And honestly, as souls, that's what we're here to do. We're here to listen to our hearts and create with the universe and with source and with our higher selves what we're here to do as souls. That's the things I do. Oh, I love it. I love it. So again, that website is intuitivesoulhealing.com. The work that you are doing is so needed in this world right now. And I just know that the right people will find you who are throughout your life and watching and listening to this as well. will reach out to you. I absolutely cannot let you go anywhere without asking you 
about the work that you did for the UCLA Pediatric Pain Program. Yeah, that was a real gift. I was actually talking about different adversity you had mentioned before. Like I was pushed out of my job because there was a boss I worked with as a therapist who thought I was a little out there, but I was calling her on in an inappropriate treatment of patients and she didn't like it. She kind of wrote me up. I ended up leaving and I had to trust the universe. Again, working with Louise Haysta, you know, what's next? So I'd ask the universe and I heard God's voice. I said, why don't you work for me? Why don't you work for me? And I told my friend, I'm losing it. And they're like, no, why don't you work for me? So God said, the work is steady, the pay is good, and retirement benefits are out of this world. <laughs> you know, so I, <laughs> so I ended up going to my church agape, which is a science of mine church in LA, and I practiced on this healing day. We did healing, and I bumped into a woman. We are both healers, back to back. It was like free healing, and we were talking. Her name was uh, Cindy, and Cindy, and then she worked at UCLA as a psychologist. She goes, you know, they're looking for a healer there because I was like, oh, what are you doing? You're a therapist. We're not supposed to be doing this. We just bonded. And she's like, you should go apply. And I was like, what? I just asked the universe, what should I be doing? And she said, maybe you can be a healer at UCLA. Is, are you kidding me? So it took me like a, like maybe a month to call back. And I did. And Dr. Lonnie Zelter, she hired me. And basically we work with kids in chronic pain. Like Dr. Zelter has a pediatric pain program. And it's for kids that have like unexplainable illnesses or sicknesses or somatized. A lot of them have are on the spectrum. A lot of them are very empaths. And I would do go to their homes or in the hospital, do hands-on healing. And you could see it on CNN. If you Google me, CNN, this young woman who I worked with, who's about a lot older now. So I would do hands-on healing. These kids were miraculous. A lot of them were very intuitive. They were, they loved the crystals. They were high, they had, I see your aura, or I know what auras are, you know, different things. And they love the healing because they're very sensitive to it. And the team had a doctor, two doctors, therapists. I was the energy healer, hypnotist, cranial sacral, yoga, um, acupuncturist. So any way that can help the soul, really. I know it was great of the kids. So I was there about six years and I was basically on call. And then I started doing my practice. Then I started doing professional readings. Well, years later is when I was doing readings and went out there. I started as a spiritual life coach. It's, it's all in my book, but universe set me up at this time. And then I was a professional reader. People just called me out of the blue. They said, oh, you're doing readings, I heard. And I would just get calls after calls. But these kids were amazing. And what was interesting about them, they all had, I said, what are you here for in the clinic? They say, oh, I'm here to help the planet. I'm here for world peace. I'm here to help the oceans. And I, I said, I met like in the facility, but they all of a sudden heard soul. And it was just, it's just amazing how they just talk soul to soul. And a lot of people, you know, judge kids on the spectrum or judge, a lot of them are very old souls. You'd be surprised. And that, and a lot of them are not all the spectrum. Some of them were high functioning, you know, but it's just interesting to know that they knew they're at 11, 12, seven, they knew their soul's path. And I was very impressed. So it was really honored working with them. Yeah. I got goosebumps just listening to you talk about it. Could you imagine a world where, you know, when we meet someone on the street <laughs> and say, what are you here for? That we would have that deep of an answer. Oh, oh that my would be God. so cool. I think that's what we're all trying to move for, where we can be more intuitive and bring yes. like peace on earth. It's going to be probably hundreds of years, but just so like, yeah, what it's not because that's why I'm here to teach. Thank you. I'm here to teach souls that we're souls. We come here to learn and grow and then we go home. So if we have that feeling, you know, that's important. Well, that kind of circles us back to the beginning when we jumped in right from the, the start and talked about ghosts. I would like to know <laughs> what is the difference between a ghost and a spirit? Yeah, uh, spirit, uh, ghosts are spirit, but uh, and like spirits are, but ghosts are usually people who are stuck. They, they haven't moved to the other side. 
Now, a spirit who's transcended, someone who's died and moves to the other side can come back and appear as a ghost, but they're probably more of a spirit. But usually the term ghost is somebody who's kind of stuck. Like maybe they did something bad in a past life. They didn't have a religious background. And they say, you know, I don't really want to go to the light. I'm okay here. I, I like my house. I'm not going to move. Their guides will come to them when they pass on. And they're like, no, they have everything's free will. And they just uh, hang around for, you know, five, 10, you know, 1500 years. But they're kind of like not evolving their soul. So there are different psychics or healers that will get ghosts and get them out. So I've worked with ghosts, but I usually work with people also who've passed on and come back mediumship, you know, if it's for a higher growth, if it's for the higher growth of the soul, since I'm a healer. So it's not just to chat on, but like sometimes souls don't come in, but if people come to me, they usually come and they're like, and the soul wants to speak to them, they will to heal or to make closure or to like wrap up that, that time in life. So there are spirits that are, they call them in our, my line of work, more entities that may mm-hmm. never had bo- bodies. They're more negative and they're more like pestering, pestering. And I had a client who had a lot of those and I had a, it was very quite difficult. And those are kind of spirits. We call them more entities because they're negative. Okay. Right. So um, there's, and there's different, you know, trains of thoughts. And then there's people that come <laughs> from maybe other systems, planetary systems and stuff. They're not really, people call them aliens, whatever, but they could appear as a spirit. So a lot of people have seen like light. A lot of times spirits will show up as lights and they could be from this dimension or others. So there, it's just a, a big world of different things. But where I am right now, I'm back home. I grew up in Connecticut where I have a healing center in Bloomfield. There's This is where a lot of those shows like, like The Haunted, it's all in Connecticut. <laughs> this is so old here. <laughs> And, you know, there's a lot of ghosts in the houses and stuff like the haunting. I think um, Conjurer was, was filmed in Connecticut. You know, the Amityville Horrors in Long Island is not far from here. So when I was in New York, I, when I was at Columbia, I started seeing ghosts. And when you have older people that have been like pounded upon, there's a lot, a lot more. I'm sure there's ghosts in LA. I would see that. I would feel them there and I would see them here. It's very weird. It's supposed to be something with a circle. But mm-hmm. and not all ghosts are, are bad, but sometimes people with their choices and things that they've done, they can attract something negative. But I believe God will overcome negativity. I really believe this one woman who was kind of haunted, I really got her to connect to God. I had her go to a spiritual church. I had her read the Bible. I was reading the 30th or some. I did a lot of healing on her. I used brown sight. It was way because she had such a belief coming from an area she came from where these beings could take you over. And I had to really shift her belief systems on a deep level. And now she doesn't have that problem. She And then I referred her to a shaman who really helped her. But Yeah. It's beautiful, all these different options and these different levels of healing. And it's when we're ready, when we're ready. You know, what, what is it they say? When when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so if that's what Carolyn is appearing for you today, again, I'm going to put her email down in the show notes. Website is intuitivesoulhealing.com. I asked you your favorite quote. You said, let spirit heal you. Yeah. Yes, because I feel like your spirit is the guiding force and the spirit is what lives on in eternity. The spirit will brings us in, the spirit will take us out. That's that energy when somebody passes on, you're like, it doesn't look like them because their essence, their soul lives on and it lives on in other dimensions in time. I honestly believe that. May it be so. Absolutely. Thank you for being on the show, Carolyn. I look forward to learning more about you and for our listeners and viewers to be spending some time with you. You are a beautiful gift to this world. Thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. 
If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.